there's actually two separate judgments at the what we would call the end of this age or the end of time. The first one is the judgment seat of Christ. And then the second one is the great white throne judgment. And these are not the same things. We know that the great white throne judgment is where every human being that has rejected Jesus will be judged. But the judgment seat of Christ is where born-again believers will go to be judged. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we will not be judged based upon whether or not we enter into heaven or are sent to a devil's hell. The judgment seat of Christ is where we will be judged based upon what we've done, our works. And the Bible says both good and bad. Now, I know that some would argue, well, but all the bad ones are under the blood of Jesus. Absolutely. But that's the great white throne, okay? When we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, that's where Jesus is going, and he simplified this for us, it's go, you're going to be judged based upon what you did or did not do with what you were given. And we know from the parables that Jesus taught us that not everyone has the same talents and gifts um, some people can play a trumpet, all right? Others of us, that's not what we're gifted or called or talented to do. So you'll not be judged based upon whether or not you could play a trumpet like Matt. Again, Jesus taught us you'll be judged based upon what you did or what you did not do with what you were given. Remember, Jesus said things to us like, to whom much has been given, much is required. So the gentleman in the parable that had five talent ability um, obviously was, was held to a five talent standard when he was judged compared to the, to the man who did not have as much talent. I heard Bill Johnson say it this way. Don't be offended at this. It's, I'm not trying to be p- politically incorrect tonight, but Bill Johnson said it this way. All men created equal is not a Bible verse. Now, it makes for a good way to approach government and, 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 and people being treated fairly and equitably and all the other stuff. But the reality of it is, we, you know, God loves us all, but we all have different callings and abilities. I, I have, for years, I've simplified it, and it, I didn't, this didn't originate with me, but it's just kind of one of those things that stuck with me since my teenage years. And, and that's the, the, the three T's, your time, your talent, and your treasure, okay? Now, over the last few months, the Lord's added a fourth T to that. Uh, anybody want to guess? <laughs> your trust. So, you know, how much of your time, how much of your talent, 
how much of your treasure and how much of your trust. Because we all have the ability to trust, but some choose to put their trust in things other than God. And there's no higher honor for you uh, to give God than to trust Him. Amen? Can you imagine if my children, you know, said, Dad, we love you. We love you so much. You're awesome, Dad. We, we're, we're so thankful for you, Dad. Man, you're, 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 you're just great, Dad. Now, we don't trust you, Dad, but, whoa, we just, you're just, you, we just love you so much. Well, see, all that love's kind of hollow without the trust, right? And, and so a lot of folks in the body of Christ, they love to talk about how much they love God, but, you know, they're, in their minds, they're heavy on the love and light on the trust, and, and, and that's not acceptable. So we have the capacity to trust. It's, it's, it's how much of that capacity do we devote to God and develop and, and work towards growing up in the things of God. And so I think one of the hindrances when we start talking about if you want to receive mercy, you've got to give mercy and that you will be judged um, in, a, in accordance to the way you judge other people, that a lot of the body of Christ thinks that, that they're exempt from that. Um, Jesus said it, man, thank you, Holy Spirit. It's, um, I'm always so impressed with pastors that do this, like they, sh- they shoot off for a verse that they don't have in their notes, but um, I want to say it's around Matthew the chapter 5, let's see, verse 40, um, amen. That's not it either. All right, I'm not, a, praise God. But he, he basically said this, that, that if you've believed on him, that, that you have uh, passed from judgment, that you're exempt from judgment. And so I think a lot of people look at this and they think, well, I don't need any mercy because I'm not going to be judged. No, 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 that's talking, about the, that's talking about the great white throne judgment. The Bible is very clear, not just the Old Testament, the New Testament, that every single person is going to stand before God one day and give an account. Now, if you've already called upon Jesus to be saved, then there's no need for you to go to the great white throne because your sin has already been uh, paid for and you've already accepted that payment for yourself and you've been born again, right? And I don't tell you this to scare you, but I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you that one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to answer for what you did with your time, your talent, your treasure, and your trust. Okay? Now, no matter, you know, the, the, the most um, uber committed, the most uh, uber diligent, whoever that may be, people far more committed and far more diligent than us, okay, um, they're still going to want and need some mercy when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Are you following me? Listen, we... I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Heaven help you if you don't think you need mercy in your life. You need mercy, and it, and it needs to begin with mercy for that pride, right? We need the mercy of God in our lives. And we need it, I think, even those of us who are beginning to understand this, we need it way, way more than we, I think, even realize or understand. Now, let me, let me just, a, a, a few verses here, praise God. In Romans chapter 2, he says, Therefore, verse 1, You're inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. 
for you practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. He's talking to born-again believers here. Okay? Let me... Man, i got so much stirring in me. I'm just going to introduce this. But one of the questions that I've had, and I really think the Lord over the last few weeks has has really given me some answers on this. And, And some of those answers are actually from the Old Testament. But we also are getting some answers, good answers on this from the New Testament. But I think one of my questions is, okay, so is all of this judgment being reserved for either when a born-again believer stands before the judgment seat of Christ or uh, an unbeliever stands before the great white throne? In other words, is is, is all judgment suspended until that day? The answer is no. The answer is no. But see, we, we have a tendency to only think in terms of judgment being a negative thing. We never think of it as being a positive thing. When the Bible says that you will one day judge angels, you're not going to be judging them to nitpick them and, 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 and talk about what a poor job they were and give them some, you know, like two and a half stars out of a five-star rating. That's, that ain't going to happen, dude. You're going to judge angels because there's going to come a day when you're going to realize that you're not nearly as good a driver as you thought you were, that it was actually angels that kept you from all those car wrecks. That, are you following what I'm saying? You're going to, all of a sudden, you're going to see all the credit you took you know, for being so cool and so lucky and so good and so this, all this stuff, that it was actual angels in, in the background of your life. So, see, we think, we think judgment. Remember, the great white throne, the, the, I'm sorry, the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat that born-again believers will stand in front of, you're being judged to be rewarded. You, you, you see the difference here? You're not being judged to be condemned. You're, you're being judged because, again, based upon what you did with your time, talent, treasure, and trust, Father God is going to reward you, and the rewards are huge. On that day, the, the rewards are big, okay? Or they should be. They can be big. Aren't you glad we still got time? To do a little more than what we've been doing, maybe. Listen, your right standing with God is not based upon your works. I'm not, I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Your right standing with God is based upon what Jesus has done for you. But your rewards are based upon your works. And the rewards aren't like, um, you know, here's a pin for your lapel. The rewards are cities. The, re- the rewards are... are um, Again, things that we don't even maybe have English words to express. I'm just talking about what what the Bible has revealed to us so far about these things. And people who have this attitude now, well, I don't care about that as long as I get in. Yeah, you're saying that now, right? But if a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day unto the Lord, that means your life on this planet, if you live to be a hundred, is about, what, two and a half hours? And, And then you step over into your eternity, but oh my goodness, what this bracket of time on this side, the impact and the, and the, and the influence that it has over what we experience in, in the life that is to come. So is judgment, I'm, I'm just, let's just preach six sermons at once tonight. I apologize for this, but I'm just, I, I just got to go put some on my heart, okay? All right. So what we see about judgment is that promotion comes from God and it's based upon judgment. Okay? Rewards come from God, and they're based upon judgment. Cornelius didn't pay for an angelic visitation. 
You can't buy the things of God. But his prayers and his alms became such a stack in heaven that God is like, look, I'm not going to wait till he stands before me one day to reward him. I'm fixing to reward him now. I'm going to to give him some of this reward now. But notice now, he's, he's he's being judged. Watch this now. He's being judged worthy. He's being judged trustworthy. He's being judged faithful. He's being judged as somebody who can handle a promotion. And and so God is giving him that promotion in this life. Let me ask you a simple question, okay? If rewarding, being rewarded by God is, is, is directly connected to being judged by God, then is it possible for us to be rewarded this side of heaven by God? Yes, he's not, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven for God to reward you. Which means you don't have to wait till you get to the side of heaven because God's judging, right? And so this, this idea that the mercy that we need to counterbalance the judgment we deserve is somehow only necessary at the end of our lives is, is a lie from the devil. We, we need that judgment now. Because what we see is going to happen. I got Bible verses, lots of Bible verses. Let me just talk to you, okay? Because what we see is going to happen is that there's going to be a lot of folks who stand before the great, the, not the great, what, there's going to be a lot of folks stand before that one, okay? But I'm talking about born-again believers stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be a, the bema is, is, is the, the Greek word for that particular judgment seat, the bema seat. We're going to stand before that, that judgment seat of Christ and um, what little reward they had coming is going to be consumed by the fire of judgment. And this is where, for the born-again believer, it's judgment with no mercy. It's not judgment with no mercy, so we're going to drop kick you to the devil's hell. No, that's not, that's not it. But judgment with no mercy means... You did some good stuff that you should be rewarded for, but you also did some other stuff, right? This is where not whether or not, sweet Jesus, has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to be into heaven or not, okay? Make sure we get this right. We're talking about rewards now. We're talking about rewards now. And so certainly, again, all kinds of Bible verses don't lose your reward. How, how, how could we have a reward and lose it, right? <laughs> by being unforgiving, by judging other people, by, by doing things that prevent the mercy of God uh, from preventing the things that would steal our reward from, from stealing him. Yes, no, maybe. So this idea that we're just looking off somewhere in the far distant future and none of this matters until then, again, that's a, that's a broken concept. It's a broken concept. It's absolute. How about, how about it's time for judgment and it's beginning at the house of God? I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? But again, that's one of my favorite verses that fit into all this is when he says that if God's love's perfected in you, you'll have boldness on the day of judgment. 
You're not going to be afraid of that day. You're not going to be shaking in your boots on that day. You're not going to be like, oh, no, you go, you go. I'm, you go, you go. No, man, it's like, it, amen. See, when the love of God's perfected in you, then you know, amen. But see, you'll, the love of God will never be perfected in you if you don't learn to show love and mercy to other people. But see, when you've learned to show love and mercy to other people, loving people like Jesus loves people, then when you stand before God one day to be judged, you're not going to be sitting there thinking about all the things you should have done that you didn't, all the things you could have done but you chose to do so. And there's all that stuff that's, you know, fighting in your head. Is you're going to stand before and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to be judged by love today. Love is fixing to judge me. Love is fixing to judge me. There's a dear sister. She's on staff at the foundry. She's, she's such a gentle, kind uh, spirit. And she was talking the other day about, uh, about one of the one of her ladies that she just had to kind of, you know, get on to and bring some correction to. And I raised my hand. I said, hey, I said, if I ever need to be corrected, would y'all make sure Donna corrects me? Amen. Again, because she's so compassionate, so gentle, so loving, so kind, right? Uh, and listen, are you following what I'm saying? This is Jesus that we're talking about here. Amen. Are you still with me? All right, now let's, um, my goodness, where's the time go? Let's do this. Um, last week, let's just turn there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're going to Matthew 5. I'm going to read. Um, just go to Matthew 5. I'm going to keep reading in Romans 2. All right, can we multitask? All right. He says, but, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you'll escape the judgment of God? This is not talking about white throne. This is talking about Bema. Because, again, he's talking about um, a, a born-again believer. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. And that's what we see about the um, judgment seat of Christ. The Bema seat is this is where um, he renders to each one according to his deeds. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, according to what you have done in this body. He's talking about in um, this life. Okay, Now, James chapter 2, verse 12. I know I've got you in, in Matthew 5, okay? James chapter 2, verse 12. He says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. See, this is the law that Father God wants us to be judged by. It, the law of liberty is this, is this law of grace. It's, it's that we are free from sin. And we're free from the consequences of sin because of what Jesus has done for us. But notice now, he's saying that we should speak and we should do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. See, the one thing that we see both in direct statements from Jesus, also in, in parable form from Jesus. The one thing that we see that Father, it's, it, again, the word inexcusable is what he uses in Romans 2. It's when he shows you mercy, but you won't show it to somebody else. Man, this is... This, this is one of those things that Father God is like, look, I've forgiven you for so much and you won't forgive somebody else for so little. 
I have taken the blame and punishment for the consequences of your bad choices, but you keep holding the consequences of somebody else's bad choices against you over them. He says it's indefensible. It's inexcusable. And so we want to say, yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. Well, you apparently don't know what you've done to God. So he says, we need to speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Why? Because however we speak and do is how we'll be judged. And we want to be judged by the law of liberty. But if we speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of Moses, so what does he say? For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Hmm. Again, Bema, not white throne. Judgment is without mercy to those to the one who has shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Let, let, me say, let me say it another way. Praise God. When it comes your turn at the judgment seat of Christ, I would imagine that you're like me in that you want him to really emphasize all the early mornings, all the church faithfulness, all the people you've helped, all the good, right? You, you want him to really emphasize all the things that you've done for him and done to help him and things that you've done for people that nobody knows about. You did it in secret like the Bible. In other words, you want him to really emphasize that and you just want him to take a 55-gallon drum of mercy and pour on all the rest. Right? Are you seeing this? That, that's, that's the simplest way I know how to say it at this point in my life, okay? I want him to just really emphasize and smile and talk about and focus on and, and just like, you know, man, so good to see you, Mark. Thank you for all that. Thank, you know, and then all that other stuff, right? Him just pour mercy all over it like it never happened okay the only way he can do that is if i accumulate mercy by showing mercy to because notice what he says judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy it was if you've shown mercy to other people at the judgment seat of christ you'll be shown mercy that's what i want that's what i'm telling you I may not be doing a good enough job explaining it to you tonight, but just trust me, that's what you want. That's what I want. Amen. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Triumphs, are you ready? It literally means, the literal translation of the word triumphs here is to boast against. To boast against. And in the Greek language, this word can carry both a positive as well as a negative connotation, depending on how it's used. Mercy boasts against judgment. All right? Let me see if I can explain it to you this way. In football, you get a 15-yard penalty for boasting against an opponent you just tackled or scored against. You know what boast against is? Boast against is when... You, you take him out and you jump up and you, you know, like, like I, just, I just dominated you, right? Or you catch the touchdown pass with the, 
uh, defensive back all over you and you turn around and you look at him and you spike the ball at his feet. You just boasted against him and your team just got backed up 15 yards. Okay? So that's what I mean. It can be positive or negative. But notice now, this is the word of God. He says, mercy boasts against judgment. What does it do? Mercy spikes the ball in the face of judgment. Lord, you know my heart, right? Mercy goes to judgment, right? Amen. And part of it is, remember all those sermons we've talked about, being tempted to judge, how the devil is setting traps, trying to lure us into judgment because he's the accuser of the brethren and he knows the only way he can get you judged is, is, is that if he can get you to judge other people because whatever stick you use to measure other people is one you're going to be measured by. And so here, boast against judgment is, is a positive use of this expression because, again, it, we, just, we just got victory over it. We just got victory over it. Amen. All right, so I've got you in um, Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is verse 38. Where did they hear that said, by the way? Probably in a sermon from one of the uh, priests at the temple quoting from the Old Testament. All right, Jesus came to change everything. You've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Let me stop right here because, you know, I read this and listen, let me tell you what I know. I'm a father and, and, and I'm, I'm a son of an earthly father and a heavenly father. And no father wants their children to be bullied or victimized, including our heavenly father. Right? So I read this and I'm like, Abba, <laughs> I don't get this, you know. Right? If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. So think like overcoat, big coat, undercoat, the way they, some, I use the terminology coat and sweater. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. It was Roman law that a Roman soldier carrying a heavy pack, all the armament and what have you, that they could compel a citizen to carry their load for them one mile. So I like to illustrate it this way. Imagine, you know, Saturday morning you're having brunch with your family at an outdoor cafe and they just set uh, your omelet on the table and a Roman soldier says, you carry my pack you would have to get up by law and carry that pack for him one mile so he wouldn't have to carry it and people hated that law they complained about it griped about it moaned about it and so jesus rides in on a white horse and what does he say carry it too 
You're like, yeah, right, Jesus. And he said, if they ask you to carry it one mile, carry it two. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Again, where do they hear that from? Old Testament. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, I mentioned this at the end of last Wednesday's sermon. These are verses perhaps like me. Um, you know, you've <laughs> looked at these verses and you kind of shook your head like, what in the world? And so several weeks ago, the Holy Spirit just dropped two words. I was going back through these verses again. He dropped two words in my spirit that really, really, really helped me grasp this. And those two words were extreme mercy. Because that's exactly what he's talking about here. I mean, somebody steals something from you and rather than making them pay, you actually go and give them something else because, you know, they were so cold they needed your coat, maybe they need your sweater also. See, we, we hear that and we're like, that's just the most, Jesus, what in the world? Listen to me, he doesn't need to be defended. He needs to be trusted. He needs to be trusted. See, I, th- I think that's a pattern that the church has fallen into in, in, as, as things are changing politically, as, as all kinds of things that the Bible clearly says are becoming politically incorrect and outdated and, wrong, you know, in the world's eyes, uh, wrong and all this stuff. It's almost like in the church we feel like we've got to defend God and somehow explain away or make excuses, you know, for what he says about sexual purity, what he says about homosexuality, what he says about these things. That somehow it's like we've got to you know, well, you know, you, you just got to understand what, where God's coming from. He says, no, no, listen to me. He doesn't have to be defended. He has to be trusted. He knows more about all this than we know. And we're either going to trust him, right? We're either going to trust him or we're not going to trust him. Verse 45 is a key verse as well in all this. He says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I wanted to say everything that I said about the judgment seat of Christ because remember that judgment is about reward or no reward. And notice what he says in verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. The tax collectors were considered to be some of the biggest scoundrels, not because they collected taxes, but because they were, this is how their uh, gravy job, or so to speak, you know, worked. Um, If, if, uh, let's say Georgia owes $100 to the Roman government in, in taxes, okay, was a tax collector, 
Um, anything I collect from him above and beyond the hundred bucks goes in my pocket, right? And they're like, hold on a second, right? So they were like the uh, epitome of, of, of people who took advantage of other folks, of, of, of people who, uh, you know, were, were constantly, you know, greedy and wanting what they wanted and all their stuff. And Jesus said, look, e- e- even those that you consider to be the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst, traitors against their own people, what have you. He says, um, don't they even love people and speak to people who love them? In other words, if, if you love everybody the way they love everybody and, and only love people who love you, you, you haven't done anything more or anything different or anything better than the, uh, you know, hated uh, tax collector. Now, verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. So he, he gives us all of these um, instances of what I'm calling extreme mercy. And by the way, we made this point last week. Let me just remind you, the only way to receive extreme mercy is to show extreme mercy. In other words, if you measure, keep in mind, these, these are folks that have, you know, have tried to harm you. These are people who have tried to soil your reputation by speaking evil of you. These are people who have taken things from you, right? And, and so notice in every one of these cases that Jesus strategically presented a situation where the offending party is clearly wrong. I mean, according to the Ten Commandments, you're not supposed to steal, right? Jesus didn't say, if you're missing a coat and somebody told you that they heard about somebody else who told them, that so-and-so got it. No, that's not what he's talking about. This is, this is clear and defined. I was, in, I was in high school. I had a coat stolen from me, actually, in, in high school. That's a true story. And um, it had a little, like a name tag thing in the sleeve of it. And I put, instead of my name in there, I put in that window, I wrote this question, where are the other nine? And that's out of the Bible, you know, ten lepers and, and nine. And so people would see that. They would think it was a music group. They were like, you know, well, what, what does that mean? So it would give me an opportunity to answer it, right? So, um, so anyway, uh, my, my coat is stolen, right? And it was, Oliver would say it was magenta, okay? It wasn't quite magenta. It was somewhere between magenta and purple, all right? Um, go Gophers, right? But anyway, um, so in comes a guy with my coat on. With the other nine things still in the, yeah, I mean, it's, no, this isn't rumor that so-and-so got my coat. I mean, the dude's got it on. Are you, I mean, you see what I'm saying? So Jesus is like, he's talking about situations here, not where it's iffy, mighta, should. No, he's like, these are people that are doing all of these things, and there's, there's no doubt about it. What did he say? Show mercy. Show mercy. Now, praise God. Eight o'clock, so I know I've got to finish. Let me, let me say this, okay? I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. Just hear me. I think a lot of these things fall into the same category of when Jesus said, if your eye offends you, gouge it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off, okay? Well, listen, you can gouge out both your eyes and get somebody, you cut off one hand and get somebody else cut off the other. That doesn't mean you're going to heaven. 
Are you following what I'm saying? So what is Jesus trying to do there? He's trying to give us some extreme scenarios so that we understand the importance. I mean, you can gouge out both your eyes and still lust after a woman in your heart and commit adultery, according to Jesus. You don't have to look at her. You can just remember what she looks like. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just trying to show you. But what is Jesus trying to do here? He's trying to wake us up to the serious nature of these things. And that it would be better for you to go into eternity blind and one-handed and forgiven than seeing clearly with both hands and not. Are you seeing this? Is Jesus suggesting that we start gouging out eyes, you know, every fifth Sunday night? Or what? No, it's not what he's saying. He's trying to make a point here. No more than he's saying, just let people beat you to a pulp and, and you don't say anything about it. He's, we read that and we get the wrong impression. But what is he trying, back to it, what is he trying to emphasize here? We should be merciful people. Mercy. It's not about the coat. It's not about what people say. People talking about you, whether you know they're talking about you or not. It's the mercy. See, they, remember, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What is he talking about here? He's talking about people who think they're justified by the word of God for not showing mercy. I'm going to get even and I got Bible to back me up. Yeah, see, it's a new day now. It's a new day now. Praise God, stand with me. Extreme mercy. Extreme mercy. So I was carrying Dad uh, to a doctor's appointment yesterday and um, going through downtown. It was 18-wheeler in the middle lane and I was in the outside far right lane and, um, and he started coming over on me. And so I blew my horn. I mean, I didn't wave at him with one finger or nothing like that. I just, I just blew my horn, right? And so he jerked it back over into his lane, right? So, so I'm like, I need to give this guy some room. So I slowed down trying to let him over. He didn't, he didn't want to get over, so I got around behind him and, and um, just letting him do. It was less than the speed limit. That's fine, just letting him go, right? Me and Dad talking, having a good time. And so uh, we're getting up close to where I need to get the exit on the 65 there. And so I decided, well, I can't go this way around him, so I'm going to go this way around him and get over all the lanes. And so I get over in the right lane and start to come by, and guess what he did? He whooped that 18-wheeler over and missed the front of my truck about that much. I looked at Daddy. I said, he did that on purpose, didn't he? And he said, "I, I believe so. And I am feeling, as Jesse Duplantis says, I'm feeling the Tabasco come out of my ankles. Right? I am, I am feeling the rage. <laughs> Not saying this to brag, but I just prayed for him. Right? Because what am I going to do? You know, I'll tell you what I thought about doing. I thought about flying up ahead of him, getting in front of him, and slamming on my brakes. And I thought, that's, that's so childish. That is so petty. Not to mention stupid. I'm in a four-wheeler. He's in an 18-wheeler. What if he's so angry he don't just, you know, he don't hit his brakes, you know what I'm saying? But again, just notice now, one little episode, I got a choice. Am I going to be merciful? Am I going to be merciful? I mean, 
or am I going to get him back? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You just made you just made an enemy out of me, buddy. You know, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Amen. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for teaching us these things, Lord. Thank you, Father, for uh, kind of got us spread out in your word over some different places tonight, Father. But I thank you that your Holy Spirit's bringing it all home for us in the way that it needs to be brought home to us. Lord, may those two words ring in our hearts and minds. Extreme mercy. Father, not just the same kind of mercy that people who don't even know you show one another. Lord, we want to take it up a notch. And I thank you that you're helping us do it. Because, Father, there's going to come a day when we're going to be really, really, really glad that, that, that we have shown extreme mercy. And, Lord, I don't believe that day, uh, I don't believe we have to wait till we stand before you to enjoy that. Lord, I believe that there's plenty of opportunities for you uh, to judge and reward us between now and then. Thank you, Lord, for the rest of this week. Let, let, let um, Father, what we do for you bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Okay, thank you as always for being here tonight. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. Good things coming. Good things coming. I see some of you in the morning, some of you.